Thank you, worship team. Um, many of you know that before we moved here to New York, I planted a church in uh, in New Palestine, Indiana. And uh, we didn't have many instrumentalists. Uh, my wife was the only one. And uh, I remember the first time I shoved some music in front of her, she went like this. She slid it back, and I she slid it back, and I slid it back that way, and I slid it back that way, and she slid it back that way. And she goes, I said, listen, it's notes on the page. Play the notes. I mean, how hard can it be, right? It's notes. Play them. <laughs> it takes skill. I know. I, I know I'm being a little bit facetious, but it takes skill, and I appreciate them. And so in those days, I would try to play guitar. And as my wife says, I have absolutely zero rhythm, but I wanted a guitar, so I tried. And I did for a long time. Off and on, it was like I had my Sugar Daddy songs that were really easy, and we liked to sing those. But the first time God gave us a real guitarist, I was like, I am so done with this thing. I own three guitars, and they're still in a box. But uh, I'm thankful that guys that can sing and play at the same time, that's a really talent. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. The title of the message this morning is Taste and See. Every week, pastors stand up in pulpits around the world and give a vast array of sermons. They come in different styles, expressions, tones. A lot of them even come in different lengths. Some are 10 minutes, some are 20 minutes, some are 55 minutes. Some messages speak to areas of exhortation or obedience. Some messages are calls to salvation or service. Some messages leave you excited and others leave you bewildered and frustrated. Today I want to bring a message on encouragement. I first want to brag on God, but secondly I want to brag on you for allowing God to work through you. So if you would, let's do a responsive reading this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand one more time in honor of the reading of God's Word. And uh, I'm going to start by reading verse 1, and then I want you to recite verse 2, and so on and so forth. This comes from Psalm 34, verses 1 through 7. So beginning with verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful for these verses, Lord, as we read through them, as we speak them, Lord, we're reminded of how great you are. Lord, we're thankful that you hear our prayers, that you answer them, that you Lord, bring salvation to your people. And Lord, I pray that we might, in response to what you've done to us, or done for us, Lord, that we might respond with praise to you, Lord, in every aspect of our life, Lord. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for what you see fit to do in and through us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What we see here is not only a declaration of how good God is, but it is also a declaration of the psalmist's commitment and intention to praise God for His goodness. It's amazing how much we talk in a given day. Some talk more than others, we know. 
But it's amazing how much we talk in conversation with the person next to us and our relatives and our children and our family members and so forth. We talk a lot. But I wonder how much of that talk is about who God is and what God has done. And I'm reminded this week as I was preparing for the message is that I talk a lot. I don't want any amens or anything, but uh, I know me and... Uh, I also know a lot of other people who are like me, and it's like it seems like we can talk about a lot of things. But I wonder if we talk about God enough. I wonder if we really praise God for all that He has done on a daily basis. Uh, what we see here right away in verses 1 and 2, in fact, there are basically four statements to consider from the psalmist. First of all, he says, I will praise the Lord. Verses 1 and 2, I will praise the Lord at all times, His praise will be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. So first of all, he says, I will praise the Lord. Uh, As opposed to things. His mind was made up. He said, I will praise the Lord. It's so easy. As I said, in conversation, we talk about how great things are. And as we talk about the new football season coming on, how great this team is going to be, and they got a new QB, and these guys got a new running back, and this team's got a new wide receiver, and it's going to change everything. And they're going to be great this year. And uh, just this week, you know, I talked to someone who's got a nice truck, and his, his truck does this, and his truck does that, and it, I mean, it's a, it, it does everything but prepare meals for you. You know, I mean, it's just it's just great, and it's awesome, and it's it's incredible. Life is all about things if we're not careful. But we have to remember that everything is just a thing. It's just a thing. He says, I will praise the Lord as opposed to praising other things. My mind is made up. I'm going to praise the Lord. And then he says, at all times. That's a tough one. It's easy as opposed to praising times of ease and convenience. He says, at all times. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't do that. I'm guilty. There's my two hands and a foot. I'm guilty. I don't do it all the time. I do it when it's convenient. When we're all gathered for the purpose of praising God. Then we do it. But what about when we're not gathered? When you wake up Monday morning and your back hurts, or you got a headache, and your feet are about to hit the floor and you got to go full steam ahead, are you praising God? That's a little bit more difficult. Or you know that you're going to be experiencing some difficulties in a particular part of the day, and he's like, do I still have to praise the Lord? Yep. He says it all times. And his mind was made up that he was not only going to praise the Lord as opposed to other things, he was going to praise Him at all the time as opposed to just when it was convenient. And then he says, his praise will be on my lips as opposed to idle talk. He's not talking about sports. He's not talking about news. He's not talking about politics he's, or weather. He is talking about praising God. And I'm reminded often, more than I care to admit, that what I talk about probably is not the best. Oh, you're a pastor. Yep, but you have the same qualifications I do. Because whatever is on a man's heart, this is kind of what comes out. As a man thinketh, so is he. And we notice everything that's going on around us, and we're t- constantly responding and giving our little uh, explanation and uh, you know about what's taking place. And I always love that Mike Cosgrove is right there in my moment of inopportune thinking and speaking and saying, Philippians 4.8! Thanks, Mike. Way to put things into perspective when I didn't want to have them in perspective. 
Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, what's the words? Dwell on these things. So God's Word then says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we're dwelling on the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, virtuous, then talk about it all you want! So that's what should be on our lips. And then he says, I will boast in the Lord as opposed, into his, as opposed to His own abilities, skills, talents, wisdom, accomplishments. He said, I'll boast in the Lord. It's amazing that when, uh, in fact, I was watching a uh, YouTube video here not too long ago, and it was just a crowded room full of guys who were watching a guy do some dunking on a 10-foot rim. And uh, they kind of made it available to whoever else was in the room. And uh, so in this big crowded area, not necessarily a gym, but just this post and a, and a net and 10-foot up, Everyone starts pointing at this guy over in the crowd. And they ask him, can you dunk? He goes, yeah. So next thing you know, he's, I mean, he's just hammering it. You got a guy who's six foot seven, and he's coming right over him like he's three foot, and just boom! And he puts on a show that is just magnificent for about 45 minutes. And the crowd is going wild. And then they begin to have a conversation. So... When did you start doing this? And then the show turned in on how great I am. How awesome I can dunk. And how much better I am than even the professionals who do this for a living. It's amazing how often that in a given conversation, we boast. But I'm not sure we're boasting in the Lord. We boast about abilities. We boast about talents. We boast about skills. But do we boast... In the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. The psalmist goes on in Psalm 34, verse 3, and he says, Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name, what's the word? Together. Because we're coming together in a body, as a body of believers, and we're lifting up his name, not our own name. We're exalting him for what he has done, not for what we have done or could do. But he also tells us why we do this. And he says this in verse 4, first of all. He says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. The first why that the psalmist makes this declaration of praise for is that God answers and delivers him from all his fears. It's amazing that we live in a world where there are lots of fears. How many of us haven't thought at least once this week about ISIS? How many of us haven't thought about once, at least once this week, about who's going to be the next president and what that's going to mean in the long run? Who of us hasn't thought at least once this week about our kids who are making some poor choices? Who of us hasn't thought about at least once this week about all the struggles that we're facing around us? We live in a world of fear. But that shouldn't be for the child of God. I don't think there's a one of us in this room that can wake up tomorrow morning and do a thing about ISIS. Unless you got some like armament in a secret army somewhere that you're not telling us about. There's not a lot we can do about that. But we can trust God. Right? 
We can put our faith in Him that He's going to do something about that. But God answered when He prayed and delivered Him from all of His fears. Who's our trust in? Is it in ourself and our abilities and our government? I hope not, because we're not going to be satisfied. So our trust must be in Him. But not only that, in verse 6, He says this, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. So the second reason he makes his declaration of praise is that God heard his cries and saved him from all of his troubles. God hears us. I'm reminded how many times in the Old Testament that every time, we noticed this last week in Second Chronicles 14-16, through 16, that he says, In the day of trouble when you call to me, I will answer you. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. See, it's not God that moves. God is always where God is. And if there's distance between us, it's not because He's gone away from us. It's because we've gone away from Him. He's there. He's faithful. He's consistent. And he said, God heard my cries and saved me from all my troubles. And then number three comes from verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues them. He said, the third reason why I'm going to make this declaration of praise is because God continually protects those who fear Him through His angels. What an awesome reminder that God is there when I need Him. He said, I'll never leave you nor, or, or forsake you. That's an awesome reminder. And the first part of this chapter really deals with the one who is grateful because he has a relationship with God. And he eventually continues to remind us to stay close to God and to follow Him obediently. However, I want to concentrate on a few more verses here. So if you would, follow along as I read verses 8, 9, and 10. Verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in Him. You who are His holy ones, you fear Yahweh. For those who fear Him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. What greater promise can you have than that? That if you seek God, you'll lack no good thing. Now what that does not say is that I'll have everything that I want. There's a huge difference between having everything I want and not lacking any good thing. One has to do with want. One has to do with need. He says, you'll not lack anything that you need. Any good thing. But he says, first of all, taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me illustrate it this way if I could this morning. Let's assume for just a moment this morning that you are interested in the country of India. Because you're interested in the country of India, you make a decision to do some exhaustive research on that country. And after a short while on the internet, and faster than you can imagine, you begin to read and learn much about the country of India. In fact, you learn about things like geography and climate. Uh, you learn about its customs and traditions. You learn about its politics and its uh, religion. And you learn about its dress and culture. Uh, you can even see a plethora of pictures of different parts of India. I mean, you can see from the north to the south, the east to the west. You can see all kinds of things about the country of India. But after a short while, your mind's eye begins to get a glimpse of what India is all about. There's only one problem. When I shut down the computer and I turn the internet off, everything that I have researched and read about the country of India is still just factual knowledge. It's just data. It's just information, etc. 
until you actually go there, you've not really experienced India. You've not really tasted and seen India. You can read a lot about it, but until you go there and experience it, big difference. And so when the psalmist looks out and he says, taste and see that God is good, we can learn a lot about God. We can learn a lot of factual information about God. We can read about a lot of data in books about God. But until you have a relationship with Him, you don't really understand how good God is. So, as I said earlier, I want to brag on God for just a moment. And I can stand here today and say to the psalmist, taste and see that God is good. I've experienced it. I've tasted it. And I know how good He is. And I hope that you have too. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans 5a, it says, But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much. If we all got what we truly deserved, we would be spending eternity in hell. But because He loved us, He's offered us an opportunity to have a relationship with Him. I wonder, have you tasted and seen of God's salvation? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, for He says, I heard you in an acceptable time and helped you in the day of salvation. Look, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. If we were to continue on reading in our text in Psalm 34, you would see clearly that the very course of His life was changed. And that should be the course of our life if we truly have a relationship with Him. Read on in chapter 34 of Psalms. It says, Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And God's Word reminds us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then he goes, Who is the man who delights in life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from a deceitful speech. Turn away from the evil and do what's good. Seek peace and pursue it. Over and over he exhorts them that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have truly tasted and seen that God is good, everything changes. It's not the same. Verse 15, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry for help. And the face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to erase all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are of a crushed in spirit. Over and over, He reminds them that, man, this relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. And that's why he said, taste and see that God is good. So how can I taste and see how good the Lord is? Well, I think we need to understand four things. We need to understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. It's just that simple. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived just yet. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need to understand that we cannot make it there by ourselves. We're sinners. But number two, we need to understand that God loves us and has paid the price for our sin. What we read about in Romans 5.8, but it also says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to understand that He has paid the price. He's offered the gift of salvation. 
Number three, we need to understand that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 remind us that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercies he saved us. We cannot save ourselves. And number four, we can understand that we can trust Jesus today. You can see, taste and see how good God is for yourself. He says, for with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made. But verse 13 says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I wonder, have you called on his name? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? I say, well, is that really important? Yes, it is. It changes everything. It changes my destination. It changes where I'll spend eternity. I want to read one other passage here in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, as He has committed the messenger of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The bottom line is, we are a new creation in Christ. And He changes everything. And when He changes our lives, and works in our hearts to draw us to Himself, bottom line is, we can begin to taste and see how good God is. And He's been good to us. Well, just for a moment, I want us to understand that. This starts by placing our faith and trust in Him and His finished work on the cross of Calvary. And you too can taste and see. God is so good to us. He's given us an ability to have a relationship with Him. We have an ability to know Him, to walk with Him, to fellowship with Him. And that is awesome. If you've never tasted and seen that, you've got something to look forward to. But as I said earlier, I don't want to only brag on God, but I also want to brag on our church. And I think it's appropriate. We can brag on God because without Him, we'd have no hope. But God also works through His church, works through His people. And I'm so thankful for what God does in and through His church. Um, just for a moment this morning, I want to take just a moment and brag on our church too. Without God, we wouldn't have a reason to brag. But God works for His people. Amen? But I don't know if you really notice everything that takes place in a given week, a given month. Sometimes you walk in and you say, well, it's obvious there's a floor going in. Well, that's obvious. We can all see that. But what about the things that aren't always so obvious? What is God doing? Well, let me just share a few things that God has done in the last couple of months. I just, I'm so thankful for what God does and how He works through people. A new projector. He said, well, what's the big deal about having a projector on the back wall? It eliminates wires that people have tripped over for the last couple of years. Isn't that just a little thing? But isn't it awesome when God provides that? And it didn't cost us a dime. God gave that to us. Or a new computer that we haven't replaced in 10 years. And someone came up to me a few weeks ago and they said, Pastor, do you still, do you still need money for that project? 
And I have to be honest, I couldn't remember. It was months before I, when I talked about it. And I said, um, yes? What project did I tell you about? Well, you wanted to get a new computer. Yes, we still need money for that project. And they just wrote a check for it. I said, wow, isn't God good? And then someone else said, well, do you have, you have to have software on that? Yes. And they said, well, I'll cover that. Isn't God good? You say, well, it's just a little thing. But yeah, that's $450 of a little thing. But God covered it. Or how about an ability to duplicate CDs so we can get the word out? Isn't that good? Or new flooring. We've needed that for several years. So awesome to walk in there and not see a big honking black stain in the middle of the floor. I'd rather have this than that big black stain that we had. But isn't God good? And He's covered the cost of it. So who has let God use them? The people who hung the projector. I don't want to get up there on the scaffolding. You know, I'm not afraid of heights. I just don't like heights on stilts. No. I remember in high school, I was leaning on a peak that was probably a little bit higher than our building. Bucket after bucket of stone as we were redoing a chimney. I've never had a fear of heights, but as we get older and not as small as it was in high school, um, yeah, I'll let someone else do that. But God brought together a slew of people and they put it up. I say, thank you. And another church that has a scaffolding said, hey, take it for as long as you need it. You can use it. Who has let God use them? The people who purchased the computer and were willing to give up a couple thousand dollars. That people in this day and age really like to hang on to. Amen? Are we living in uncertain days and we don't like, like to give up money too quickly? That's reality. But yet God has let people use them. People who set up the computer for hours. Hours out of their week to set it all up. So that we can worship God together. People who purchased the software and gave up money for that. People who produced the CDs so that we can get the message out. That's time consuming. It doesn't happen by itself. The people who have been passing out those CDs. Letting God use you. And then the obvious. People who faithfully teach every week. Every month. Throughout all the years. Some of you have been teaching here for years. Why? Because you've tasted and seen how good God is. And you want to get the word out. You need to see how good God is. I love it. As I said earlier this morning, as I look out, and uh, I'm going to break just for a moment. Bob Lynch, coming over here and getting down and rolling up all those... How old are you? 17, 18? 82. Isn't that awesome? And Don Bovard come out here on his hands and knees and pounding and lifting. Folks, there's something for all of us to do. I said, even if you just come over and supervise, we need that fellowship too. I mean that. I really, really mean that. I don't care if you don't come over here and lift a, finger, a single nail. Come over and fellowship with us. Let's, let's praise God together and rejoice together over what God is doing, right? It's not just about the person who has all the skills and abilities. It's us coming together because as God says, some water, some plant, but God gives the increase. 
you know, we'll come over here and some, some pound and some nail and some, or a pound and nail and some screw and some lay down and some fill in and, but we're doing this together and rejoicing together over what God is doing. And it's all for His glory. Why do people teach? So that the word might go out, that we might draw closer to God, and may become more like Him, and so forth, and be discipled and grounded in the Word. Why do we produce CDs? So that people can get the Word. Why are we getting a new floor? So it looks good for God's presence, and we want to invite people in. Why are we... Everything we do is so that the, so that the Gospel can go out more effectively. And we do it together, and it's no one person getting the praise, no one person getting the, the credit for it, it's all God. And I love it seeing our whole church come together. You know, there's been a couple of us that have been here every day, but there's also been a different couple every night. In different age groups. It's all Jake's fault starting off. I mean, last Thursday night after Bible study, he shows up with a, with a horse, uh, Joe Amidon, with these tiny little arms he's got. And um, they start ripping things up. I'm like, what are you doing? We're going to rip out carpet. Cool, I didn't even ask. Yeah! Isn't it awesome when you don't even have to ask and people show up? That's God. And when God is at work, guess what? We all rejoice. And God has brought different families into the church over the last year or two. And I love it because 1 Corinthians tells us that God places everyone in the body as He sees fit. And when He does that, He does it better than what we can do. Ministry leaders and Sunday school teachers and people who are helping out here and there and everywhere. And God is glorified when we work together in unity. But it all starts by having that relationship with Jesus Christ. And we begin to taste and see how good He is. And we want others to taste and see how good He is, right? And we begin to come together, not for our own purposes, but for His but it starts with that relationship with Him. And we can begin to experience together just how great He is. Do you know Him? I'm not talking about knowing about Him. I'm just telling you. I know a little bit about engineering because I've listened to Mike for five and a half years now. And I say very, very minusculely little. But I don't know engineering and I don't know physics. I know a little bit about from listening to him. Some of you have heard about, but do you know him here? Have you truly tasted and seen how good God is? Not studying about India, but actually going there and experiencing it. There's a difference. So this morning, I want to leave you with a couple of questions. First of all, do you know the Lord? If you don't, it's as simple as ABC has already said. Hey, we need to understand that we're all sinners. Christ died for our sins. He paid the price. B, we need to understand that we have to believe in our heart. We need to place our faith and trust in Him. We can't do it ourselves. And C, we need to understand that we have to confess our sins and call on Him to be our Savior. And the relationship with Him can be started. And you too can taste and see how good God is. And when you really begin to experience that, you want other people to experience that. And you want to be a part of what God is doing 
in our midst. Some things are, as I explained to somebody this last week, when I was going through college and going through my first couple of years teaching in a Christian school, teaching junior high, it's a whole lot different in ministry than it is in secular work sometimes. You ever notice that? You know, I like to build. I worked for a couple different contractors. I built log cabins in the mountains of Pennsylvania for one summer or two summers. Um, built houses, did roofing, all kinds of those kinds of things. But in construction, it don't matter how little of work you think you did that day. It seems like always you can look back at the end of the day and say, okay, this today we got this side of the wall framed. Or today we got this half of the roof done. Or today we put the windows in. Or today we got siding up. Or today we fill in the blank. In secular work, sometimes you can look back and you see what you got done that day. In ministry, you don't always see the progress. Seems like, oh, just another day, another day, another day. Because what God sometimes is doing and at work working in is our hearts, which may not be visible to other people, but is visible to God. And so we trust Him that He is at work. And sometimes we just see the fruit or the result of God's working. And the fruit of the, and the result of God's working is sometimes someone who heard the gospel, somebody who worked on a floor, somebody who hung a projector. They do it because they want to serve God in some way. And there's no one job that is more important than another. Amen? It's all of it being done together by each other for the glory of God. Because we've tasted and seen how good, good God is. Amen? Think about today. Have you tasted and seen? And if you have, are you inviting others to taste and see how good God is? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word and for how You work in our hearts and our lives. And I, God, I, I come to You and I ask this morning, Lord, that You would work in our hearts. That You would truly allow us to see how good You are. Lord, we see different aspects of your goodness daily. But Lord, I for one want to see more. I want to see your your hand on many people's lives and people committing themselves to you and surrendering their lives of service to you. And I want others to see how good you are. It's one thing for me to know, but it's another thing for all of us to know. And I pray, God, that we might be sharing that with others, inviting others to taste and see how good you are. As the psalmist did in verse 3. He said, let us exalt His name together. Because together, Lord, we want to worship You and praise You for what You have done and for what You are doing and for what You're going to do. So God, I pray that even this morning You'd work in our hearts, Lord, to draw us closer to You. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask for a moment. No one's looking around and not going to embarrass anyone or call anyone out. But just a simple question, a simple